Hi everybody, I am Ruth. I am optimistically depressed and here tonight I have with me Emma Jane Morris. Hi Emma. Hi. How's it going? It's good. I'm excited and nervous. Yes. Yes. We were talking a little bit about that, but I think mm-hmm. you're going to do really great. Awesome. Yeah. So where are you from? I'm from the UK. Where in the UK are you from? Southampton. So the most southern point right in the middle of the UK. How do you like it there? It's busy. Uh, It's like a big city. It's full of good things, but also crime and drugs. That's that's always. But you know. (laughs) Right, 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 right. And how is it compared to Halifax? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Halifax is slower. The Mm -hmm. pace is slower and... It seems like there's less crime, maybe. But I don't. I've never checked out the stats, I, I so guess. I don't even know. There's a lot less people. Yeah. People complain about the traffic, and I think you have no idea what traffic is. I. It is. I. I usually <laughs> find that a little bit funny. Like, and I catch myself doing the same thing, just being like, "Oh, the traffic," and it's just like, Mm-mm. compared to any other city. Yep. It's nothing. And the people are more friendly here in general. I think. Maybe that's stereotyping Canadians in general, but I find people are more helpful and accepting yeah. than British people. Yeah. Oh, well, that's nice. Yeah. Are British people just typically kind of mean? No. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, they're less likely to strike up a conversation with someone they don't really know. Oh, okay. So today I was sat in Service Canada and this lady just started talking to me which was really nice and we just had a conversation for about 10 minutes because it was really busy and in the UK everyone would be sat in silence trying not to make eye contact with anybody <laughs> else <laughs> so I was I was I was fine with it at the beginning I was fairly uncomfortable right but she seemed really nice and how long have you been living here uh since August 2015 since August 2015. Have you been back um, home to visit much? I've been back three times, I believe. Yeah. Okay, three times. So um, we were so Emma and I are friends, and we talk a bit about depression and anxiety and that kind of thing. And those are two things that both of us can relate on. So Emma, you want to talk a little bit about your adventure with? <laughs> adventure (laughs) with all those fun things um I think really my anxiety started from when I was very very young um I would say possibly around the age of three Mm -hmm. I just always remember being a really anxious child shy but so much more than that and definitely really socially anxious I just remember being too afraid to say anything to anyone like I would go to school and just be quiet the whole day really yeah do you like in retrospect do you know why that is or why that was um I think partly the way I was raised my my mum especially is very very introverted and shy and really not talkative at all okay um and my dad is kind of More normal in that respect, I guess. He will keep talking and talking and talking (laughs) until you're like, okay, Dad, can you just 
just calm down. <laughs> and he has, he has like a, how I would describe to be like a, a farmer kind of accent from the UK. He's from a place called Somerset and yeah, they kind of talk. I, I won't do the accent maybe. No, I, okay. Kind of, yeah. I was looking forward to hearing yeah. the accent, but yeah, it's interesting. Um, so wherever we go, people are like, oh, you're from Somerset. And he's like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so how would it compare to like a, I'm, sorry, I'm just I'm so curious. How does it compare to like a farmer's accent here? I guess I haven't heard any farmers here. What? <laughs> Wait, do you, maybe you have. And you maybe just I haven't. I don't think it's normal. Talk. You're just like, that's normal. That's Canadian. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Huh. That's so funny. I'm going to have to make sure I introduce you to some farmers. Okay. Do you know many farmers? Uh, I'm, I grew up in a family of farmers. Okay. So if any of cool. them come out here, I'm just going to have to. Or maybe when I go there next, I'll record them talking. And I'll be like, see, look, <laughs> this is how a farmer talks. I'll get my dad to record something. <laughs> that would be perfect. <laughs> so, uh, so your anxiety started when you were three. Mm-hmm. And so when did you start realizing that? It was anxiety. That is a really good question, Ruth. Hmm. I'm not sure. I think probably teachers at school had the their suspicions that it was anxiety because it seemed pretty obvious, I guess, at the time, looking back. Mm-hmm. But really when I got to secondary school, which is where you go when you're 11 years old in the UK till you're 16, um, oh. yeah, we don't have high school with... We just go there and then we can leave at 16 too. But anyway, um, I think teachers at at that school started to realize that um, I was really anxious and they stopped asking me questions in class, like, which was really nice because I didn't want to speak in front of the whole class. (laughs) It terrified me. Um, And then I was diagnosed with selective mutism which is now called elective mutism because selective makes it sound like you are choosing not to speak, um, which is definitely not the case. Okay. Um, it feels like you can't physically get words out of your mouth, uh, which was kind of difficult at school because you yeah. should talk there probably. <laughs> it does come in handy. Optional, I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> so wait, okay, when did you get diagnosed with that? I've never heard of that before. I think I must have been about... 12 but okay. it's been in like a, an ongoing thing from when I was very young so when's do you still have like times when you go to speak and you can't not really I don't think so I think I'm really aware of my anxiety now and when I can't speak I just I don't know change the subject or something like oh, we'll talk about something that's less anxiety provoking okay maybe Huh. Yeah, I don't know when that stopped being a huge issue, though. Hmm. Hmm. Just kind of faded out. Yeah, I okay. think so. I think I, I don't know if you can grow out of it. Maybe I just grew out okay. of it. I mean, we, I went to university when I was 18 and did a mental health nursing course. And you really do have to speak to people there um, yeah. because... <laughs> right (laughs) nursing just makes sense yeah um yeah that would be very strange actually having a mental health nurse that couldn't speak and help you through your issues (laughs) because she's clearly got a lot herself she can't speak to me (laughs) um yeah okay huh okay 
So, so, and that's connected to anxiety? Is that like a branch of anxiety or is that a separate thing? It is a separate diagnosis, but it is fueled by anxiety. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So you, is it possible to have that and not have anxiety? No, I wouldn't say so. Okay. Okay. And then, um, and you were diagnosed with depression as well. Is that mm-hmm. right? And yes. So when, when was that? I don't think I was diagnosed until hmm, I was maybe 17. Was it something that you realized there was something like kind of going on that you were like, this isn't how I think I should be feeling. So you went and got it checked out or was it something that like your parents noticed that it was going on and they, so they encouraged you to have it checked out? How, or how did that happen? You know, I'm not really sure how it happened. Um, Me and my parents have a very interesting relationship that we may talk about later. Um, And I just remember taking myself to the doctors at some point and then being like, yes, you have this. And they asked me to think about what what it was like before when I felt happy and, quote, normal. And I couldn't tell them and I still can't. I I don't really remember a time when I wasn't depressed or anxious or both. Wow. I do have moments like throughout the day or maybe not a few days at a time, but where I feel more content, but anxiety definitely is never far away and depression is just, it's just there waiting for its partner anxiety, I guess, to, uh, to show up. Yeah. Sheesh. (laughs) Sounds terrible. It's really not that bad. Well, it's really not that bad. I mean, I can't remember a time that I didn't feel it. <laughs> but it's okay. But it's not that bad. <laughs> so how, what do you, like, um, is there, like, is there anything else, like, go, that's coupled or, you know, going on with those things? Um, I remember when I was 13, uh, I was really depressed and it was that age where all your hormones are starting to go insane. Right. And your body's like, oh my gosh, what do I do with this? All these feelings and weird things are happening to my body and I didn't really have anyone to ask or talk to about that. Um, And I remember going to school and just feeling so incredibly anxious and depressed and overwhelmed. And there were other things going on at home too. And I remember at that time I started to self-harm. And I... I realized pretty quickly that it wasn't really doing it for me. It wasn't really the release that I thought it would be. Um, yeah. What made you think that it would be a release? I mean, I guess the beginning, it feels, it felt really good to do that. It felt like it released some emotions and it, uh, it helped me feel less numb. If I inflicted pain on myself, then I would feel... I would be able to feel something, whereas at times when I felt really depressed, I didn't really feel anything at all, which is not a very safe place to be. Hmm. Right. How long, so then, what was it that changed that made you be like, okay, this isn't, this isn't working? Well, I think I discovered it wasn't working quite early on, but that didn't stop me from doing it. Okay, so why did you keep doing it? I think it moved over to the view that I had and still kind of have is that I'm not deserving of love and care and I'm somehow unworthy 
but I don't think that's true in my head. I can try and rationalize that, but feelings are very different from yeah. rationalizing. Yes, yeah. Okay, so then um, what else, like, so what else did you do to try to deal with it? Um, to deal with my depression and anxiety, I um, developed an eating disorder, uh, anorexia, and I think at first it really started as a coping mechanism, but if anyone out there knows about anorexia, it quickly uh, takes over your life and it feels like it controls you. And there's, it, it's just very powerful in your mind. And mm. I remember just feeling like I couldn't break out of it. And it's, it's still quite prevalent today. So it is tricky. Hmm. And so you said you started it as a coping mechanism. Mm. What was it that made you feel like it was helping you or at least helping you cope I felt like I was in control like I can't control anything else that's going on around me but I can control the food that I put in my body and the exercise that I do and so when you say you can't control the things that are going on around you do you mean the things that were going on because of depression and anxiety or do you mean the things that were going on because of your family situation I would say both yeah it's all very much interlinked Okay, mm -hmm. so then um, do you want to start talking about what was going on with the family situation? Yeah. Um, my mom has bipolar disorder, um, and she, she first actually was diagnosed with depression and psychosis uh, when I was uh, eight, I think. Um, and that can, that can morph eventually into bipolar disorder. That's quite common. Um, mm. And I think she wasn't really diagnosed with bipolar until I was, well, I'm 20, 28 now. And I think her last admission was when I was 20, 21. And that's when she had her first uh, manic episode. Um, and I've watched her through all her depression and psychosis. And yes, that's quite scary, but seeing someone who is usually catatonic with depression and naturally a very introverted and shy person go to this insanely manic violent interfering with other patients uh being rude to the staff and attacking everybody uh it was very uh difficult i found it quite difficult to deal with growing up she had many psychiatric admissions uh where she was in effect locked away for a few months uh, just to try and stabilize her. Mm -hmm. Okay, so then, so you said that she had psychosis. Mm -hmm. um, what, like, what does that look like? So psychosis is, um, there's lots of different things that it encompasses. So you can have uh, auditory hallucinations, uh, visual hallucinations, olfactory hallucinations, which is like uh, if you, you smell something that's not there, and tactile hallucinations, which is you feel something maybe touching you or something. So those two are less common, but my mom had uh, visual and, but mostly auditory hallucinations, uh, including, uh, which I think were the most scary for her, were the uh, ideas of persecution that were in her head. 
for example. I remember her watching TV one day and they were it was the news and they were taking someone to prison and she was like, it's not him, I did it, I did that thing, whatever that thing was. And she was absolutely convinced that it was her that needed to be arrested and be taken away. And she was very, very distressed by it. Okay. Yeah. So, um, do you, like, I'm going to ask this question just because, like, my, my dad is uh, schizophrenic bipolar. Mm. And I went through a long, a long period of time. And still, like, it still kind of occurs to me every now and then, like, where I feel fear that I'm going to end up having the same thing because it's like a 50-50 chance um, with the schizophrenia and bipolar. So has it, uh, have, has it ever been a thing that kind of like goes on that's on your mind or is it something that you're kind of thinking, well, no, I, I can see that that's something that's separate for her. And obviously I don't have it and it's not something that I need to worry about happening. And like, what does that ever occur to you? I'm, I only ask that because it, it does for me. I think um, I do have a slightly higher chance of developing bipolar, but uh, not very, not very much really. Um, despite having mental health issues on both sides of the family, uh, having someone who is related to you with a mental health issue really doesn't increase your chances very much at all. Of oh developing really? It. No. Because see, the doctors that I've talked to here have said the opposite. They've said that it gives you fifty-fifty chance. You have a 50% chance if one parent has it. So where have you learned uh, that information? Uh, through my mental health nurse training. Um, it is different with schizophrenia because it's uh, very heavily genetically based. Okay. Um, but I wouldn't say 50-50. And the time that you would develop uh, an illness such as schizophrenia would be late teens, early 20s, usually. Right. Yes. Statistically. I, okay. That's the, I heard that part. Um, but this is fascinating because I was told, like, this is what mm. I was raised, like, this is what I was taught. Interesting. Even, like, by doctors. So mm. this is, like, this is new information to me. So bipolar is not as genetically based? You know, I, I finished my training six years ago and uh, haven't practiced. So <laughs> okay, I, I probably can't say, but I don't think so. I mean, I remember learning about schizophrenia. And uh, I remember actually working with a family who had, um, the mum definitely had some kind of diagnosis, but not schizophrenia. Okay. And the dad didn't have anything. And then out of the five siblings, three of them had schizophrenia and one of them had bipolar. Oh, wow. Um, and also one of the ladies who had schizophrenia also had autism. Um, so that just was another thing thrown into the mix that was difficult for her and also difficult for us when we were looking after her on the uh, mother and baby psychiatric ward, which you don't have here, and I wish you did, but that's another discussion probably. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so much mental health knowledge in my head. <laughs> i got to get it out. Hey, you. Okay. <laughs> this is the place. <laughs> Okay, so um, what made you decide that you didn't, or yeah, what made you decide you didn't want to continue practicing in that? I didn't feel mentally well enough <clears throat> in my in my head to to work as a nurse. Okay, and not really much of that hasn't changed really. And the main my main issue is that uh, 
you have to work night shifts on a ward and night shifts are terrible for for anyone's body and anyone's brain but for someone who has a mental health issue it's really not a good idea to be staying up all night right and uh you don't sleep properly the next day because you're like oh i have to be up at this time to go back in to work that evening right um i found that difficult i mean whilst i was doing my training i worked as a support worker on a couple of the wards that i've that i had done placements on and the quieter wards i'd be pretty happy to do a night shift on because it was really good money <laughs> <laughs> like really good okay <laughs> just sat in the office and just like shone like a a flashlight on some on their ceilings just to see if they were okay and then you just do it again the next hour <laughs> just sit down oh man sometimes the, you know the patients would come and chat but we want them to go to sleep right okay but that's pretty good <laughs> not all wards are like that just put that out there not okay. all wards are like that most wards aren't like that okay i mean i knew a lady once who was uh awake for two weeks with mania whoa and that could kill you being awake yeah for a long time oh man i didn't she was my favorite <laughs> really what i loved her yeah she was uh she spoke five languages she was a very intelligent lady uh she was also an opera singer wow and she was very verbally and physically abusive towards stuff <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> she did it with such she was just such a character like <laughs> i remember when she came into us the second time with uh, mania she was picked up by police in london um because she was singing opera loudly into other passengers' ears and they, she wouldn't stop. <laughs> Bless her. Well, so, well, there you go. Yes, I do, I do remember her kicking, trying to kick the door down when, when we were having handover. But, um, What's handover? It's uh, like between shifts. Okay. A nurse will go and talk to the next shift and be like, this happened, that happened, These, this needs to happen in your shift. Okay. Expect this to happen like someone kicking down the door. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yes. Wow. Okay. So, okay. Um, I want to go back to your mom. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> I know you've been looking forward to this. Oh, so. yes. <laughs> um, first of all, was her coming going in and out of, we call it mental hospitals. Is mm-hmm. that what you would refer to probably a psychiatric unit okay psychiatric unit people would call them call it lots of things perhaps they couldn't shouldn't call it like the loony bin maybe not (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the mental hospital which just sounds horrible but yeah that was psych admission psych admission that sounds much better yeah um so then her going in and out of psych admission. Did I do that mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Okay. Um, what, did that inspire you to get into that field? Or like what inspired you to get into that field? I knew that I wanted to do something where I could care and look after people. Because okay. that's kind of my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just had all this knowledge of psych stuff that I've been building up since the age of seven or eight. And I right. thought... Well, <laughs> I wasn't going to get the grades to go into psychology. Um, so I thought, I'll be a nurse instead. <laughs> and really, 
exactly. It's how it happened. That's how it happened. Yeah. And okay. I, I do wish I'd done psychology, but, you know, my grades weren't terrible, but they weren't enough for the uh, universities I wanted to go to were very prestigious, and they wanted A's and, and B's in... in uh, so your school system is very different. So from the age of 16 to 18, we go to sixth form college and we do A-levels. So we do three A-levels in the second year. And most of the uh, universities I wanted to go to wanted AAB, whereas I was predicted ABC, but got BCD <laughs> due to life events and health right. issues. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I would have been rejected straight away. So okay. I thought I'll do the advanced diploma in nursing because I needed BCC to get into the degree program but didn't have that and I thought I can get into the degree program in the third year because apparently you can do that if you do super well in the first two years no (laughs) but you know I have an advanced diploma which I guess is kind of the same I just didn't write a dissertation okay yeah (laughs) I'm just like there's a lot of information yeah trying to (laughs) okay all right so then, okay, so that's what inspired you to get into that. Yeah. When did you start realizing that things with your mom were not normal? Like that that was not the way that you should be treated? Also a good question. Um, I would see my, my friends' moms interacting with them and uh, be kind of confused. Like they're hugging their children. They're being really caring and protective and just nice and I I thought that my life was normal I thought mm-hmm. that being emotionally abused was normal um, but apparently it's not <laughs> who knew I know I know it's very surprising <laughs> yeah um, huh. I really don't know I can't pinpoint a time in my life when I realized that it wasn't normal what I knew wasn't normal was mums going in and out of psychiatric hospital. I mean, people do all the time, but no one else that I knew yeah. had a parent that did that. Right. Yeah. And so your, your mom was emotionally abusive. Mm-hmm. And that caused you to believe a lot of things that were not true, that are not true about you. Yes, lots. Lots of things that I still as you know, uh, battle with today. Just different, different things about my physical appearance and who I am, how I act as a person. It's, it's difficult to, to get those thoughts of what she said out of my head because they're so ingrained. Yeah. And it was just, uh, many, many years. It happened over a long period of time and, parents are supposed to be uh, loving and honest and so I thought well she must be telling the truth because why would she lie she's my mum right um yes again not sure when I figured out that wasn't a normal thing for parents to do right okay and um, so then what are the, do you have like any dominant thoughts that you know are not right? Mm. 
let you logically know we're not right, but definitely feel, I can totally, like, I know what that is, um, that you know came from your mother? And do you have ones that you know are not from your mother? Like, can you tell the difference? Really, all the negative things that I say or feel about myself are, and in some way linked back to my mother, either she said it or she's insinuated it in a way. So one of them is uh, you're fat. Um, so that's, yeah, that was definitely the most prominent one, I think. And, and stupid and selfish, actually, was another one that I that I struggled with, but I was able to rationalize that a little bit more because uh, I think my actions are usually the opposite of selfish. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I don't know how you can care for people um, because you want to care for them and not because you expect something in return by being selfish. Right. Yeah. So I try to rationalize. But the other, the other ones are... are difficult to rationalize in my head just due to anorexia mostly so then do you think that like you started anorexia anorexia because your mom called you fat no 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 um I think that was definitely something that crept in when I was highly anxious and depressed as a teen and I I know that the comments didn't help, but I think with or without them, I would have had an eating disorder. Okay. Yeah. And is uh, is an eating disorder considered a mental illness? Yes. Okay. So, and does it kind of work that like these mental illnesses, like these conditions or whatever? See, I'm feeling like very conscious of like, the correct terminology. It's fine. Okay. I won't be offended. Okay. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but yeah. So then do those like play off of each other? Like is it like, and if you have like certain ones, are you more susceptible to other ones or like do they, like how, how does that work? They, they definitely feed off uh, one another. Depression and anxiety are kind of best friends. Yeah. Um, they work together pretty well. Okay. Uh, well, not... I mean, they work together well, but it's not good for the person who has those things. Right. <laughs> they are great teammates. They are very good. Okay. At okay. their job. Right. <laughs> um, okay. Anorexia... No, I think it's different for, for everyone. But if you develop anorexia in and around the time of puberty... And you have lots of issues at home or lots of issues going on in your life. Um, and perhaps you're more of a perfectionistic person. Mm-hmm. Those things could predispose you to developing anorexia. Not okay. saying that people who have those things will definitely develop that disorder. But I, I remember for me, I was very perfectionistic and pretty high achieving at secondary school at least, not really after that. <laughs> um, mm. And I, I wanted things done in a certain way and I wanted things organised in a certain way and I was very... And still I'm kind of regimented with various things around my home and I was when I had employment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Emma's had a really rough go. <laughs> 
like uh, a comedically ridiculous like I don't rough even lately yeah yeah where was I um regimented you are regimented I like things done a certain way I like things to be very clean and tidy I hate clutter and it makes me anxious not to have things a certain way okay is that like does that apply to you just your house or anywhere you go just my house because I can control that right but I can't control anything else really okay so you're aware of the things that you can control and what you can't control yes and no (laughs) okay yes and no Mm, so I know that I can control my environment to a to a certain extent but with my eating disorder it it has felt and actually feels like right now that I am not in control of my behaviors but I definitely am Mm -hmm. because I'm the one putting food in my mouth or not putting food in my mouth um but it, it it's interesting because it does feel like not like there's a voice in your head like a psychotic voice that's different Mm-hmm. But, like, there's something in your head that's telling you, don't do these things. I am in control. Let me take over. Mm-hmm. It's all good. Okay. But it's not. Right. <laughs> it's not good. Right. Mm-hmm. So, like, you've developed coping mechanisms that mm-hmm. falsely give you the idea that you are in control. Yes. For example, coming here, I knew I'd have to get two buses, and I always leave earlier than I need to for the bus because I'm always worried that I'll miss it Mm -hmm. so if I miss the first one maybe I'll miss the second one and that would just be terrible and what would I do so I make myself leave early stupidly early and then I have to stand out in the cold because it's winter (laughs) and it's evening (laughs) and I'm like it's cold but I'm not gonna miss the bus (laughs) I'm like shaking at the bus stop, like trying to put my ticket in the thing. Can I have a transfer, please? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh man. But sometimes they are early and they won't wait at the stop. They go wait at a few stops down when they can make up that time. But they oh, won't yeah. stop at one particular and stop and like stay there. Even if you're running down the road. <laughs> Sometimes they wait for you. Sometimes they look and then they just pull away and you're like... <sighs> I had that happen to me once. Uh, where And I w- it was winter. I was running and I fell, no. I fell <laughs> in a snowbank. No. <laughs> that is... Yeah, it was that is a sad rough morning. Yeah. entertaining. I know, exactly. Possibly. There was one person on the bus watching me as I was doing all that. <laughs> I remember just looking at her in the face and her looking at me and just being like... Why aren't it you happen to anyone? <laughs> it can happen to anyone. Yeah, it was just, oh man, yeah, that was a dark few moments for yeah. me. Dark times. Dark times. Speaking of, speaking of dark times. Oh gosh, there you go. <laughs> Talk to me. <laughs> Tell me. Oh, I don't know. I don't even remember what we were talking about. Yeah, that's cares? how my brain is right now that's fine <laughs> what were we talking about we were talking about you um, control control oh yes okay wait so 
use wait i i actually wanted to touch on something that you said earlier when you were saying that um some days you will feel content mm-hmm. do you feel content for a whole day or is it for just a oh, small no. like maybe for a half an hour for a half an hour <laughs> maybe and then what are you feeling otherwise anxious you're feeling anxious mm-hmm. and what does that feel like um, in an, in its extreme form, it can feel like uh, I can't breathe very well. I'm I go hot and cold. I can't sit down, and I feel like I'm gonna throw up. And I I hate that. I have yeah. a vomit phobia. It's called emetophobia, and it's actually more common than people think. But people are ashamed of it. Why are people ashamed of a vo- vomit phobia? That just seems to make sense. It does make <laughs> sense. Like, but like I guess. What, what, like, for me, like, I think vomit phobia, I'm just kind of like, yeah, I hate throwing up. It feels like it's like, well, you know, I've had a couple kids, and so I'm kind of a bit more used to the vomiting now. (laughs) But Never having children. (laughs) But, um, yeah, it felt like it was like the end of the world. But what's the, like, what's the difference what do you... I can't describe, like, it just feels like my worst fear. It feels, it just terrifies me. Even the idea of it, even talking about it. Really? Just even thinking about it. Or seeing something on TV, like someone throwing up. That will, like, for a few days I'll feel, like, really gross after seeing that. <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm... When you said that, I just thought of a video <laughs> no. that my cousin sent me today. I won't say it. it it's a cat. It's not a person. Okay, it's, well, that's better than people. It's hilarious. It made me laugh, it made me laugh so hard. <laughs> Jen, Jen, you find the funniest videos, oh, for goodness sake. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh, no, it's in my head. I'm getting giddy. It's <laughs> not good. Um, all right. So, and then, so you described what being anxious at the extreme level is like. What about when it's just kind of at at lower, it's not as extreme? What does that feel like? This feeling has become very normal. (laughs) So it's hard. So it's difficult for you to, like, actually pick it out? Um, I just feel like I, I rush around all the time and I'm, my, my heart rate is possibly higher than it should be for someone who's small and sort of fit but maybe not um (laughs) i don't know (laughs) um i mean you are very small you're cute you're a cute little person thanks you're welcome Uh, (laughs) cute little person (laughs) just made my day (laughs) um and i think i often i do actually have uh, this low level nausea throughout most of the day oh my god and it's definitely anxiety related there's, there's nothing else it can be. Wow. Um, and that, when that gets too much, it just feeds into the, the anxiety cycle of I feel anxious, therefore I feel nauseous, and then I feel nauseous, so I feel more anxious, and then it just goes round and round and round, and it's very debilitating. Yeah. So, like, and, and you feel that every day? Mm-hmm. So then, how so then? How does that interfere with like just getting things done? 
I wouldn't say I have extreme anxiety every day, but I, I do have this low to mid kind of level anxiety. And and I've learned over the years just to try and ignore it as much as I can. Okay. And um, so I'm on medication. I It's not like a secret to, to anyone. I've mentioned it a couple of times, but have you like... Do you, have you tried that out or is it something that you're kind of like, eh, it doesn't really work for me or? I take medication right now. Um, I tried many medications, antidepressants, all of the, the same class of antidepressants. And I, and I figured I'll just keep trying a different one because even though the, the same class, they all work slightly differently. Okay. But now I'm on something that's of a different class and it, it seems to help. Yeah. But like with these medications, you really only realize it helps until you stop taking it. And then okay. you realize that was a silly idea, wasn't it? <laughs> so I'll start taking it again. Ah. I actually did that uh, in the summer. Oops. <laughs> Oops. Also have a bit of a, a pill-taking phobia. So just really? throw that out there. Really only started taking pills when I was 22. Wow. Yeah. No so, one really knows about that. Now, lots of people do, maybe. Yeah. Hey, at least guys. like the four people that listen to my podcast. <laughs> By the way, thanks, guys. Um, so, uh, okay. And what, so do you, like, how do you take pills now? Do you, do you just like do it or do you like crush them up or? I, I do it because crushing them up is a terrible idea. Oh, okay. Um, well... They tell you not to because they need to be absorbed in the through the stomach rather than on the way down there. Oh, um, okay. Perhaps if you crushed it, you'd have more of an effect, maybe, and it wouldn't be so good for you. I'm not sure. It's been, it's been a while. Um, yes, so in the summer, I decided it would be a good idea. I don't know if I thought it would be a good idea, actually, but... Every now and again, my, my fear of taking pills kind of stops me from taking them. Okay. And uh, so I didn't take them for a few months. And then I was crying every day, and I was really angry. Hmm. I'm not a person who expresses anger well. I'm quite an internal angry person. Okay. Um, that makes itself known usually when I'm by myself, because I don't really know how to do that in front of people. Um, and then, uh, I thought, oh, I, what's wrong with me? Oh yeah, I should, I should take my medication again. (laughs) And, uh, I have to say, oh, well, I did start taking it again, but it was pretty inconsistent. So you don't really see any benefits if you don't take it consistently. There's not a lot of point in taking it at all if you don't take it consistently because it needs to build up in your system in order to be effective. So I have to say from from December 4th of 2018, I've taken it every single day. Oh, yeah. Hey. <laughs> and all thanks to my, my therapist who gave me like a handy tip in oh. taking pills. Okay. So a lot of people like put their head back when they take pills, but actually that closes the esophagus a bit. So more you're more likely to choke if you tip your head back when you take pills. What? I didn't know that. And it just makes sense when you I'm just like moving my neck. No one can see me obviously, but <laughs> Ruth is also moving her neck. <laughs> like it just you know, it feels tighter, so everything is it kind totally of does. compressed. Oh my goodness. Like if you did this you wouldn't 
breathe as well, right? And that's right next to your esophagus, the trachea. So. Whoa. Mind <laughs> blown. blown. <laughs> okay. So she said, put it in your mouth, like as far back as you can. And I, so many things wrong with me. I have a, re- <laughs> I have a really bad gag reflex, so I can't really put it very far back in my mouth. Otherwise, I'll just like cough it up or something. <laughs> Dentists are fun. <laughs> they oh, hate me so yeah. much. You know, on Friday they're going to hate me, but they're going to sedate me, so it's all good. Oh, so it's all good. <laughs> yeah, I'm um, getting her wisdom teeth taken uh, out on Friday. <laughs> everyone pray for me. <laughs> and the surgeon. <laughs> so, okay, so then so you put it as far back as you can. You put it in your mouth, and you put then you put the liquid in your mouth, and, and I discovered that t- taking it with water wasn't really doing it with me for me. Okay. So I needed something thicker, and to disguise the taste a bit more if I couldn't, like, swallow it straight away, so... Sometimes I use milk, sometimes I use orange juice. Okay. Orange juice, I find, is more effective Okay. for me. Right. So I put it in my mouth, and I put the orange juice in, and when I'm about to swallow it, I put my chin down to my chest, and you ah. swallow as you do that, and it goes down really easily, and sometimes you can't even feel it go down. Wow. Yeah. I had no idea. That was oh, the best man. tip she could have given me. That is an excellent tip. She is amazing. Huh. Yeah, she sounds. She is. She knows, like, when she can explain to you a technique. (laughs) She's a keeper. Yeah, that is it. She is a keeper for sure. Oh, man. Yeah, I can't even count how many times I've done the whole head throwback thing and then the pill gets, like, you know, stuck in your throat. Yes, and you're just like, ah. Yeah. I think it's going to be stuck there for the rest of my life. Yeah, like for the rest of the day. I can still feel it, even though it's not there anymore. Yes. Yeah. It left an imprint or something. Muscle memory or something. Yes, the phantom of the pill in your throat. So try it. Every, yes. Everyone try it. Everybody try that <laughs> when you're taking your vitamins. I'm or not your responsible for any joking. What's that? I'm not responsible for any joking. <laughs> Don't sue me. Yeah. We're we are not. Well, I am not a professional, and Emma semi, is semi professional. <laughs> She's a semi professional. <laughs> so blame her more than me. Okay. But it worked for me, and she said it worked for, worked for her uh, when she was taking big pills, like the prenatal vitamins and stuff she said they were huge yeah she couldn't take them horse pills very well mm. and she i don't know how she discovered it but she did that and tells everyone for goodness sake <laughs> i know that's brilliant like i'm so glad you told me because yeah. it is still a struggle to take them because i get that anxiety like <gasps> right you know because i've like choked coughed like on them so many times and right now my medication is in low supply apparently in Nova Scotia so I have to take two 150s instead of one 300 so it's like double the chance of not being able to take it (laughs) (laughs) but I'm succeeding hey but I'd sometimes do waste pills by not being able to take them properly but you know I'm still taking it okay I don't give up yeah that's if I can't take it in the morning which is getting more rare I definitely take it in the afternoon that's perfect yeah yeah, I love, I love that you say you don't give up, because like it's I can't. Just... <laughs> I'm really stubborn. Oh, well, hey, that, you know what? That works for you. And also, I'm a person that needs to be medicated. There's no doubt about it. Okay. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then, one question I like to ask everybody mm-hmm. is, um, how? What does it look like to you to be mentally healthy? I don't think 
I think maybe I have periods of mental wellness in the day, but I think if you are mentally well, you would uh, you'll be able to manage your emotions effectively. So I wouldn't feel anxiety the extreme and I wouldn't feel anxiety about things that are considered trivial like I wouldn't feel like I'm going to throw up if I if I'm like late or not even late like possibly on time leaving for the bus stop <laughs> instead of you know like I'm just I like to be to like places early and if I'm on time I'm like oh my gosh I'm so late <laughs> like, there's no one here but I'm late where do they go <laughs> and then everyone comes in I don't know where I would be at this point. Um, <laughs> somewhere. Um, yeah, just not having extremely anxious reactions to situations. So if I was to go for a job interview, which actually got a call about today. Yay! Finally. Um, awesome. Then perhaps I would be fairly nervous, but I wouldn't feel like my heart was going to be out of my chest or I would have like cold sweats or... Hmm. Feel like I was going to vomit any second all over the interviewer. Wouldn't that be a, a talking does, point? Yeah, if that happens, can you like record it? Like when you feel it coming <laughs> on, can you just record it? Like, still gave me the job, but <laughs> started in the most dramatic way. Hmm. Oh man, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm with depression. I mean, I am on medication, so it does make it more manageable but perhaps not feeling, again, the extremes of emotion, like the the lowness that I feel fairly often is seems like an inappropriate reaction to daily life things. But in reality, it's due to chemicals in my brain mm-hmm. not doing what they should do, mm-hmm. and also all the genetics genetics are important sometimes they're not very good (laughs) i just can't help thinking maybe i was dealt a bad hand (laughs) oh um both sides of the family it's great um yeah we didn't even get into talking no i know (laughs) it's just so much i should come back okay i think we're gonna have to do the second movie part two part two definitely um yeah and and life experience and environmental factors definitely but you know yeah just just being able to cope and feel relatively okay and at ease mm. often mm-hmm. that would be nice wouldn't it that sounds to yeah feel at ease at what ease. does that feel like feels pretty good okay <laughs> <laughs> it feels like yeah. you're just kind of sitting there and you're just like huh, i feel okay I, yeah, when the medication started kicking in for me, like, it was really effective for me, and I just remember waking up in the morning and just being like, oh my Mm. goodness, like, I just feel okay, like, instead of that dread. Yes. Yeah. I have to get out of bed now, do I? Do I really? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing, for being so brave and sharing what you did. You're welcome. I just, the whole point of for me, sharing is to to help tackle some of the, the stigma of mental health and maybe help someone encourage someone to reach out and, and get help if they need it and there's no there's no shame in that. Even though your depression, anxiety or whatever you're suffering with would would try it really hard to tell you that there is shame, but there is not. Because we all need other people and that's okay. And that is okay. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I absolutely agree. Yep. I and that's what I'm hoping to do. Like that's what you're help, like helping make happen. Is just mental illness is not something that needs to be viewed as a, a shameful, unusual yeah thing because it's not. Yeah, we're not in the seventies anymore. Yeah, we don't do lobotomies anymore. Right. We lock yeah. people. We we do lock people away, but it's different. Like yeah. we don't tie them to chairs or right. tie them to beds and stuff anymore. Right. We're getting probably good. Yeah, it's probably a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> sounds pretty good to me. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, was there anything else that you kind of wanted to add? Just that uh, everyone is worthy of of getting help and everyone is worthy and deserving of feeling as good as they can feel. That's good. (laughs) Yep. I like that. Thank you so much. Thanks for braving the bus to make your way out here. this Two buses. Two buses. And a 15 minute walk. Yeah. Trying not to slide on the ice. Trying not to slip and die on the ice. A bit of a gamble. And the freezing cold. Up. Winter. both ways. I'm not used to... I'm British, so... <laughs> Anything below zero, I'm freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> it's especially cold, right? Isn't it? I haven't really been out too much today. You know, it's really not that bad today, actually. I don't know why I'm complaining. <laughs> Just because oh. of the ice. <laughs> yeah, well, that's yeah, ice is, yeah, ice is scary. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like the ice either. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Well, um, thanks so much, everybody, for, for listening. And I hope that you have a wonderful... Evening, morning, afternoon, night. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye.